Well, it is, a, it is a good day. We have baptisms today, and we're excited. We're always excited about baptisms. It's a very big deal. Um, we don't take that lightly. Um, it's people professing um, their faith externally. It's showing who God is internally. And, and before we get there, what we're going to do is we're going to continue in the Beatitudes today. Um, if, you, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew. It's, it's one verse. We've been doing it verse at a time in the Beatitudes. And, and we're, in, we're in verse 7 today. And it's, it's essentially the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And again, Jesus is... is as, as pragmatic and as, as easy as it would to apply the disciplines of what Jesus is asking, again, he is a, continually attacking the core of our character, who we are in Christ, not just what we do for him. And, and, and if our character is aligned with him, then, then what we do will line up with who he is. And so the Beatitudes essentially begin like this, the Sermon on the Mount. It's, it's Jesus seeing the crowds. He, he, he goes up on a mountain and he sits down and his disciples come to him. And he begins to teach, saying to them, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And today, this week, it is blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And I really, to be honest with you, I really wrestled with this text because essentially it's, it's, it's almost like he's saying, if you don't show mercy, you won't receive mercy. And on a week where we're, we're talking about baptism and, and, and that we only really get to truly do baptism because of um, God's mercy, I thought we should spend a little bit of time talking about what is mercy. It, the word is, is, is used, it's, it's a Greek word that's used also for compassion in the New Testament. It's a word that, that, is, that is closely related to grace. And, and so I wanted to real quickly, mercy, it, it, the most simplest form is, is, is not giving people what they deserve. And grace is giving people what they don't deserve. So mercy is this, this idea of, of we, we recognize what we deserve, we recognize who we are, and, and, but not getting that, but getting something else. See, mercy relieves the pain, misery, and distress from sin, whether it's our own sin or the sin of a broken world. Mercy offers relief from punishment. Grace offers pardon from the crime. Mercy eliminates the pain. Grace cures the disease. See, mercy isn't just this, this act of belief. It's, 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 it's an act of, of action. Mercy sees someone in distress. It, the, eyes, the way that this word is actually used is, is to take and almost see it not from your own eyes, but see it from the eyes of the afflicted person. So you see their pain so much that you enter into who they are and you not only see it, you recognize it, you seek to, to help alleviate the pain in that situation. Mercy is giving food. It's comfort to the bereaved. It's love to the rejected. It's forgiveness to the offender. It's companionship, compassion to the lonely. See, mercy is this action that, that is so steeped in the Bible, it's everywhere. I didn't know where to necessarily go today. But I think it's fitting that the Beatitudes, again, we've talked about this last week, that the first three essentially are this idea of emptying, this poor in state, this, this brokenness inside of who I am, this mournful state of, of needing God's comfort and recognizing that my sin is worth mourning over, recognizing that I need to be under the control of God and not just in my own control, this meekness. It's this, it's this act of emptying. And last week was the first time that Jesus starts talking about filling, and that's when we hunger and thirst for righteousness. And one of the first things he talks about filling is, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So I think it's easy to say that we can't extend mercy without receiving mercy. We're, we're incapable of extending mercy without receiving mercy. 
But the difficult thing about this text is that I don't think we've really received mercy if we won't extend mercy. See, Jesus, and this is, very, this is very true, Jesus does this over and over again in the Sermon on the Mount where he basically points out to not what you believe in your head, but what are you doing out of action. And that's why I said it's very, very, very important for us to remember that he's talking about our character first, but our character will reflect what we do. Our character will show who we are in Christ by our actions. See, the key to becoming a merciful person is to become a broken person. You get, the, you get the power to show mercy from the real feeling in your heart that you owe everything you are and have to sheer divine mercy of God. You recognize that without his mercy, without his work in your heart, you have nothing. You have nothing at all. Therefore, we want to become merciful people because we recognize the mercy that God has shown us. Also, the, the, the text here says, shall receive mercy. And I, I wrestled with that because it's like, okay, well, if I'm only merciful now, then God is somehow going to give mercy there. And the scholars will say anything from the idea of this is talking about a rewards in heaven. Um, others will say, no, this is, it can't just mean rewards in heaven. It means that we'll receive mercy from others in place. The, the downside to that is that Jesus was the most merciful person and he didn't receive a lot of mercy from anyone. So I don't think that really applies. But, but maybe, just maybe, if we just said this a little bit differently, the merciful are blessed for they will receive mercy. Maybe Jesus is making it more of a statement. Meaning truly if you are, if you have received my mercy, you cannot live in this world without extending my mercy. And as you extend my mercy, I will give you more and more capability to extend more mercy. Almost like a muscle being worked out. This idea that, that as we extend mercy, we, 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 we get filled more by his mercies. To understand this better, I thought we would just look at a few of Jesus' teachings because he speaks a lot about mercy. And, and, and we'll just kind of dig from there and then we'll, then we'll get to dunking some people. Um, Matthew 9.10 is, is a parable. It's just where Matthew actually had just been called um, to be a, a, a disciple of Jesus. Again, Matthew doesn't necessarily go in chronological order. But Matthew 9, he just calls Matthew to, hey, like, come follow me. And, and Matthew does it. And the first thing Matthew does, because he's so excited about who Jesus is and Jesus actually giving him a chance, is he throws a party with all of his tax collectors and all of his, all of his people that, that, that honestly were, were hated by most. And so Matthew 9, 10 through 13 says, And as Jesus reclined at the table in this house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees, these are the religious leaders, these are the people that love to go to church but not really live out Jesus' life. These are people that, that love religiousness but will not really truly let their life be surrendered to Christ. The Pharisees knew lots about, Je about God but knew nothing about Jesus in his action. They said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. Go and learn. This was a phrase was commonly used to rebuke rabbis. Go and learn was literally, hey, you should know this. Now go and learn it. It was a, it was a, um, a really harsh statement to say. He was rebuking them. He says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, quoting Hosea 6.6. 6. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So Jesus makes a state, look, your sacrifice is great. You can, you can offer lots of money to me. You can, you can set up and tear down at church. You can serve in kids. But, but I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I desire this act of mercy, 
not just sacrifice. Another illustration of mercy is found in the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10, 27 through um, 37. 27 through 28 says, and he answered. This, basically, this guy comes to him and says, what do I need to inherit the kingdom? What do I need to have eternal life? And Jesus answered him and says, well, you should, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And, and, and the lawyer answered them. As Jesus says to him, you've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. So he says, well, I should do these things. Well, okay, great. Well, now the guy that's testing him, the lawyer that's coming to him, is actually, he's, he's in a spot where he realizes that Jesus is, is speaking to his heart and, and not just what he said. And so he goes to justify himself. He's like, well, okay, I've, I've done those things. But desiring to justify himself, he said to Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus goes into this story, and I think this story is, is incredible because it's a made-up story. He just kind of makes it up, but it was a common trail, a common path from, from Jerusalem to Jericho. It'd come down, and it was canyons, and so you were really susceptible to people being up above and, and robberies, and so that was, that was common. But Jesus says, so a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now the key is, most likely coming from Jerusalem, he was a Jew. Most likely, if he's coming out of Jerusalem, he's, he's one of the Jews. He's, he's of Jewish descent. Okay, that's important to the story. And so, and, he, and he, he, down to Jerusalem, to Jericho. And he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he saw, when he, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, a half-Jew with weird beliefs, okay? Samaritan was a half-breed Jew. Was not, they did not mix with Jews. Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds and pouring in oil and wine. Then he set him on his, own, on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. And Jesus asked, which of these three do you think proved to be, my, be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. See, so the man asked Jesus how a person should act who may expect to find mercy at the judgment day and inherit, inherit eternal life. And Jesus says, love God and your neighbor and show them mercy. He says, the ones who show mercy will inherit eternal life. In other words, blessed are those who are merciful now to their neighbor, for they receive the mercy of eternal life. See, Jesus keeps tying our life today to some eternal life. He keeps tying our actions today to who we really are in Christ. And I think the, the problem is that most of us want so badly to try and just get a, a security or an insurance deposit that, that someday I'll go to heaven when Jesus has been talking about the kingdom here today. And he's asking for mercy today. There's four dimensions of mercy that we see in this parable. The first is, is that you recognize, you see distress. You see distress. Now the priest and the Levite both saw the distress. They saw and went the other way. So the first level or the first aspect of mercy in this story is that you actually see someone. But then, the, the, then what did it follow up when the Samaritan, he saw and had compassion on him, had mercy. So the second aspect is not to just see, 
but to actually enter into a spot to have pity on someone in that situation. That means when you see someone struggling, you enter in with them. Not just stand at a distance and say, oh, sorry for you. Compassion is, is, is to literally come alongside, to see with their eyes, to put on their eyes and experience what they're experiencing. The third one is you, res- you respond externally with practical efforts. And this is, you know, I, I, I love when people say, I'll pray for you, but sometimes what they really need is a hamburger or they need, they need some clothes. You respond. See, mercy isn't just seeing it and then having compassion on it. It's seeing it, having compassion on it, and then extending practical things, extending practical efforts. And then the fourth thing is, and this is key, is that it happens even when the person in distress is an enemy. And this is hard because a lot of you probably, if we we thought long, you wouldn't say I have an enemy, but there's someone you really don't like. Maybe there's someone that's really, really hurt you. And, And Jesus is basically obliterates that when the Samaritan enters into caring for a Jew. This Samaritan would have, been, would have been ostracized, made fun of, completely persecuted for who he was by this Jewish person. But he, he looks past that. He enters in and he shows compassion and he shows mercy. So it's an eye for pain. It's a heart of compassion or pity, an effort to help in spite of who it is. That's mercy. There's also the opposite of mercy in this parable. And I don't know if you noticed this, but it's the same opposite that's in 9.13 that we read earlier in Matthew. He says, then Jesus, so Jesus said to him, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came to call the righteous, not but the sinners. And then here he says, go and show mercy like the Samaritan, not like the priest and the Levite. See, the priest and the Levite symbolize the law. They symbolize religious activity. In fact, it, it, it's almost like he's saying, you know what, the, the pastor and, and the followers of Jesus, not like them. It's almost like he's saying, not like the Christians in a way, because a lot of us spend so much time and energy looking good religiously. Man, we can check off boxes like they're going out of style. Yep, gave some money, served a little. Ooh, I, I, ha- I felt bad for someone on something, so I threw an extra couple bucks there. Oh, man, I, you know, I, I, I go to church, you know, two or three times a month, like, That's pretty good. And we can check boxes, but Jesus is saying, I don't really care about your sacrifices or your boxes, although those are good in the right spot, but what I desire is mercy and compassion. What I desire is a heart that truly reflects the heart of me. See, that's why I think this is such a difficult text because Jesus is essentially saying, look, if you aren't extending mercy and you don't really understand mercy, you're not willing to give mercy, then you've never really truly understood what you've received in mercy. You've never really understood what Jesus has done for you. We need a heart to respond with with compassion. We need a heart to bring the relief of the gospel into people's lives no matter who they are. I want to real quickly, before we look at the last um, story, I want to real quickly talk about there is, a, there is a role for justice in this world. There is a role for, for, for someone getting what they deserve, whether it's a reward or a punishment. And I understand that sometimes, in some cases, someone is going to have the consequence of sin and, and, and mercy is not the best thing to show. Sometimes it's to allow God to have that justice in people's lives. It's, it's, it's our role, and it. essentially it's, 
it's, we understand that sometimes people will need um, to be repaid with what they deserve, whether it's punishment or reward, which is justice. And God's will is that sometimes we, re- we repay people with better than what they deserve or mercy in upholding the claims of justice and giving something that they don't deserve, and that's mercy. I just wanted to <laughs> real quickly say, I understand that some, some of you have been extremely wronged. Mercy is not rec- like ignoring and shoving the wrong underneath the mat. Mercy is an acknowledgement of this is wrong. This is sin. Therefore, I'm still going to engage in compassion. But sometimes, sometimes God's justice needs to be in place. See, in upholding the claims of justice, we bear witness to the truth that God is a God of justice. And in showing mercy, we bear witness to the truth that God is a God of mercy. See, he is both of those. The last story, and this is the this is this another story to share from Jesus, and I think this is the one that you and I struggle with the most, if we were honest. This is the one where, okay, maybe we, we feel, we see someone who's hungry and we feed them, or, you know, we've been torn and, and we've, we've seen what, what wipe every tear, or, or what we've been doing with Novotis in the Philippines, and we feel the compassion, and so we've engaged in that. But really this one, I think this is where mercy almost hits a flat line in our lives. It's in the story of Matthew 18. See, the story is Jesus, uh, Peter asks, like, well, how many times should I forgive someone? How many times? Up to seven times. He says 70 times seven or up to 77 times, depending upon the text. Basically, the point isn't to try and do the math to see how many times you can forgive your spouse. If you're doing that, you miss the point of the story. I just want to be clear on that, okay? So if you're like, well, they're at 73, man. I'm getting there. Woo, getting close. I can stop forgiving. That's not the point of that text, Okay. But Jesus goes into another parable. He says, okay, well, let's tell a story. And he, he tells a story of the servant that, that, that owed a, a bunch of money, tens of thousands of dollars to this king. And the king decided at this point he was going to make everyone come and repay their debt. And the servant comes to him. He's like, I don't have it. Please have mercy on me. Please forgive me. And, and, and the king says, you know what? You know what? Today, I'm, I'm going to show, show forgiveness to you. I'm going I'm to pardon your debt. Debt is no more. And the guy's like, sweet. And he walks outside and, and he goes down the, the road and he comes to someone who owns, a, owes him about 10 bucks. And he says, dude, you owe me 10 bucks. And the guy's like, please, I, I don't have it, but I'll get it to you. I, I'll work harder. Like, please, please show me some mercy. Show me some grace. And he's like, no, you know what? You're going to go to jail until you pay this, which I always thought was interesting. Like, do they have an income in the prisons back then? Like, it seems like a bad idea. Have you ever noticed that? Like, I'm going to send you to jail and you can repay it there. Well, I, I don't make any money in jail, but... Um, Anyways, that's my own reading into the story. But he says this, and so he sends him to jail. Well, some of the other servants that saw this servant get re, um, receive mercy from the king are, are troubled by this. He was so hostile and so, so rude and so, so mean and so unforgiving to this other person when the king had showed him so much forgiveness and mercy. And so they go and tell the king, well, the king is, is upset. He's very mad. In fact, we pick it up in Matthew 18, 32 to 35. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay off all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. In other words, Jesus is teaching. He's teaching, look, I've forgiven you. If you realize what he did on the cross for you, then why in the world would you think you are entitled to not forgive your brother? See, this is where I think we stink at mercy. 
Because we're like, oh, you know, they, they wronged me, and I bet they did. Again, mercy isn't ignoring the wrong. It isn't ignoring the pain. It's engaging in that pain. But one of the best ways we can show mercy is extending forgiveness. Forgiveness. And we're terrible at that. Oh, I forgive you, but I'm still really mad at you, and I hate you. Oh, I, I forgive you, but I'm just going to, like, ignore you for the rest of my life. We, we're terrible at this. See, and what this story does, what Jesus does, he just basically says, look at how much mercy you have received from your heavenly Father. Like, really? Like, are you that amazing? Was God like, well, I just don't need to give you much grace or mercy because you're an awesome person, so, well, you're in. No, we're all messes. We're all broken, disgusting, poor in spirit people in need of a Savior to save us, in need of a King to lead us. None of us are righteous. We're only made righteous because of what Jesus has done for us through his mercy and grace. You see the need, you're moved by the need, you meet the need. Look, there's no natural explanation of mercy. Animals don't really show mercy. You don't see a tiger going, hmm, that gazelle looked like he had a hard day. I'm just going to hold out on that one. No, there's no mercy. It's not a nat- there's no natural explanation for it. This is why it's so weird for humans to do it. But the only reason why it makes sense for us to do it is because Jesus did it. The only thing that we can make sense of mercy, it, does not, it is not natural for any of us to want to do, but the only reason why it's even a possibility is because of the mercy that Jesus has shown us. Nothing proves that we've been forgiven or received God's mercy better than our own readiness to forgive or dispense God's mercy to others. Nothing proves this better. Nothing. If you think about it, you can go across the board on any other spiritual act that you may do, but nothing proves your forgiveness and the mercy you receive better than your willingness to give mercy and to forgive others. Is there someone who you're unwilling to show mercy towards? Do you hold on to your hurt because you've been wronged? Like how, how merciful do you want God to be towards your great debt? Jesus calls him a wicked servant, a wicked man for not forgiving. Is what that person has done against you greater than what you have done against God? Lay that down real quick. Is what that person has done to you greater than what Jesus hung on the cross for, for your sins? Mercy is an indicator of the life of someone who sits under the waterfall of God's mercy. We can't help but be merciful if we keep that fresh in our souls. So maybe you need to start reminding yourself of some of the mercies in your life. A forgiving spouse, the laughter of a kid that just shows so much joy no matter what. It's almost annoying at times. Right? The cold mornings, the comfort of the Spirit, the pain of the cross in your place? Do we look to these tender mercies that God has given us and then see others through those eyes? So that's just it. It's, it's not a matter of just seeing. It's acknowledging. It's entering into and then extending mercy. We're going to do um, baptisms and mercy today, and I think this is awesome. Normally we would stop and talk everything about baptism, but we decided to just keep going through this Beatitudes series and happened to be this weekend is when it worked. We have a few baptisms happening today. Um, 
One of the things I love about baptism is it essentially someone saying, I have received the mercy of God, and therefore I want to show everyone. Now, it would be silly for someone to get dunked and go, yes, I received the mercy of God, and then to go out and start making everyone else pay their debts to them. Right? That's, 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 that's not the point of this. In fact, Ephesians 2, um, verse 1 says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sin, and then further down into 4. But God, being rich in what? In mercy. God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, even when we were a mess, horrible, violent, sinful people, even in that spot, even in that spot, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him. By grace, by dumping down into the baptism, by coming back up, you have been raised with Christ. And seated, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus in order that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness and mercy towards us in Christ Jesus. See, people are getting baptized because they recognize they've received God's mercy. It only makes sense if you've received mercy to extend mercy. So I guess I'd ask you this question. Where in your life are you lacking mercy? Is it forgiving? Is it actually engaging in need? And I want to be, be really clear. Like, me jumping in and seeing someone that is, is, is homeless and needs clothes has nothing to do with me and everything to do with Christ in me. So if you're like, well, look at me. I'm holy. I do all sorts of stuff. I sent money to the Hope House girls, and I'm, then you've missed the point. That's not mercy. That's some penance or some money you're paying to try and win God's approval when really you, you're never going to gain that except for from his grace and mercy. But where? Where in your life? Is there someone you're not forgiving? Here's the thing about unforgiveness. It has nothing to do with that other person and everything to do with you. Do you realize that? If you're choosing to not forgive someone, it's just going to hurt and affect and destroy you and the people around you. And really, that person probably has no idea. It's a foothold in your own heart. Extend mercy. Let us be merciful people like Jesus talked about over and over and over again. Not because we're awesome and not because we're capable, but because his spirit lives inside of us. And if his spirit's alive in us, it does not make sense not to be merciful, to be full of mercy. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for um, all that you do and all that you are. God, may I just stop and thank you for the mercies of my life, wife, kids, friends. Ways that you continually extend mercy to me, God, is, is unbelievable. Father, may we, may we be people that are truly marked as merciful and not merciless. God, may we be people that, that, that see needs and engage in them and don't, don't, don't try and do it on our own strength, but let your spirit move in us in ways that brings the gospel to them, that advances your kingdom here. Father, forgive us again for being merciless at times. God, for those in the room that are really wrestling with showing mercy to someone, maybe it's a people group, maybe it's a, a family member, maybe it's someone that's extremely hurt them in the past. God, would you, would you allow us, would you strengthen us to get out of the way of, of your vengeance and justice in those needs? But God, would you give us the mercy we need to extend the mercy to those in need?
Father, I'm confident that at the end of our life, we would be not in any way saddened by the amount of mercy we showed people. I don't think we'd ever go, man, I just wish I wouldn't have done that. Especially when we focus on how much you've forgiven of us. Especially when we focus on how much your mercy is present in our day-to-day life. God, may we be a people that are truly marked by mercy. It's in your son Jesus Christ's name who who we long to be like more and more each day by your spirit. Name we pray, amen.